Hey, beautiful people. Welcome to the BU Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Von Bretter. My mission is to empower people to become the best versions of themselves so that they can live their best lives. I'm redefining success so people stop living the lives they think they should live and start living the lives they love. Join me weekly as I share my own insights and speak with guests that have embraced their unique gifts into living life on their terms. I hope these conversations inspire you to make the most out of your life by being your best self. Remember, be you, be beautiful. Hey, you guys. So let's be real. Sometimes life is hard and shit happens. Everyone has experienced hard times in their life, and it's how you deal with it that matters. When something goes wrong, you have a choice in how you react. And for today's episode, I'm joined by Carrington Smith, who has had more than her fair share of bad life experiences. She's dealt with family rejection, sexual assault, body dysmorphia, divorce, depression, and that's just some of her story. And she could have let her trauma define her and ruin her life, but instead she has used this shit as fertilizer for her life. Carrie is now the author of Blooming, Finding the Gifts in the Shit of Life. She is using her story to help others discover how all of the messes, failures, and trauma can help us bloom into our greatness. And in this episode, you'll learn how rejection is actually redirection, how to stand out even if it makes others uncomfortable, how to use the shit in your life to move you forward, and what the Bellagio Fountains can teach you about life. It's time to stop letting the shit in your life hold you back. I hope you enjoy this episode and start seeing all the parts in your life as a gift. Before we get into the show, I wanted to take a moment to share how I host my podcast using Anchor. It's free and easy to use. You can record and edit using your phone or computer, and then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. It's super easy to use, and they do the work for you. I highly recommend using Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on to the show. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for joining me today on the BU podcast. Will you just take a moment to tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? Yeah, well, um, I like to joke that I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth, but life gave me a hard kick in the tail. Um, (laughs) Yeah, basically, um, I mean, I grew up in this crazy family where they had epic success. a generation ago, my great, great grandfather founded international paper company. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately the wealth didn't pass to my generation mm-hmm. and, um, my grandmother was raised in this incredible, you know, top, top of society life. Um, you know, she did finishing school in Switzerland. She went to miss Porter's boarding school and had a debut at the Ritz Carlton in New York. Oh, wow. And yeah, she was living this very, very fancy life. And then, and I just, I don't know exactly what happened, but um, for some reason, the money or the bulk of the money did not pass to her. Mm-hmm. And so I was left with a grandmother who was extremely resentful. Wow. So, but she also really wanted to, um, wanted us to, abide by the standards set by her father and grandfather. And so there were incredibly high standards that were really unreachable, unreachable, uh, that we were expected to live up to, but without the financial resources 
to reach them. And so I grew up in a family where um, there was a lot of bitterness and resentment. Um, We were always competing against one another. We were more a collection of people who were competing for accolades and love than we were a family. And um, against that backdrop, I had to look to my internal resources to figure out how I was going to thrive and step away from that family and figure out who I really was and what I was about. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's definitely a lot. Cause I could, I mean, family dynamics just always play such a huge role in you know, how the person you're going to turn out to be, but then, you know, it's, there's a lot to unpack there with like having, um, so much wealth, you know, a generation ago and it not really passing down, but still having those standards. Cause like, I mean, <laughs> people can have ridiculous standards to begin with and then right. like, it doesn't match. So when did you kind of realize that you needed to step away and kind of carve your own path? Well, it started with um, my inability to play tennis. (laughs) 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 Part of that family set of expectations was to be a great athlete and particularly a great tennis player. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have two cousins that were national squash champions in their respective years. They played tennis at Yale. Um, each of them, I have lots of people in my family that was all about tennis. Yeah. And for, unfortunately, um, I, unbeknownst to me until law school, I didn't know that I had a paralyzed nerve in one of my eyes. All I knew was that every time I would swing at the tennis ball and miss. Yeah. And, and so my, I was thoroughly rejected by my family mm-hmm. as being this like, um, like a, uh, like the horse that's hurt that you go kill because it's worthless. Yeah. <laughs> so I was that person and, um, rejected by my family because I couldn't play tennis. It sounds crazy, but I wasn't able to live up to their standards. And because of that, and then constantly being compared to my sister, I had to learn how to find self-esteem some other way mm-hmm. and reach a place where I could um, learn to love myself based on my own accomplishments and achievements. And I actually, uh, stepping away from that family, separating from that was actually a gift because, well, I like to say the rejection was actually a gift because Mm -hmm. I no longer had to try to be like them because I, because I wasn't like them. And so I was free to become my own person away from this family. And so I like to look at that rejection as a gift. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And I love that you do look at rejection as a gift because I mean, you could have gone the opposite way of, you know, still trying to fight for their approval and, you know, living in this like life, that's not really yours, but you know, you took that rejection as an opportunity to really find who you really are and, you know, love yourself more. And so like, what kind of, what did that look like for you to be able to, um, like love yourself and really go into that journey? What was that like for you? Well, <laughs> well obviously, I mean, I, I wrote an entire book about it, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it started with at a very base level. First of all, I like to say rejection equals redir- redirection. Mm-hmm. That's sort of my little lingo that I've come up with. Um, yeah. So anytime we experience rejection in anything, whether it's not getting the job you want or rejection of a friend or um, a guy that you're interested in, it's redirection. 
mm-hmm. it's actually, it's God's gentle hand or maybe not so gentle, but God's hand kind of pointing you in a different direction saying, no, that's not what I have in mind for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, to look at it like a blessing, um, for me, it all started with me kind of take really taking a step back and realizing that I needed to pursue things separate and apart from where I could be subject to comparison. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, um, my sister went to business school. I went to law school, very important for me to choose a se- separate path yeah. that, that where we couldn't be compared. Um, and just then throughout life, just constantly making those choices where I was able to separate myself from others where I was subject to comparison. Um, I think it's Coco Chanel that said something like, um, you know, in order to be invaluable, you must always be different. Mm -hmm. And I think we spend so much of our lives trying to fit in. Yeah. And the reality is the people who are most valued are those who stand out. Yeah. And so we're, I mean, I really, and I have stories in my book about how my friends really wanted to put me back in the box and have me continue to try to fit in because it made them uncomfortable when I would step out of the box and suddenly they were like, well, maybe I need to do something different, or maybe I need to live my life differently. And nobody likes that discomfort. So they try Mm -hmm. to push you down and shame you and blame you back into fitting in when the the reality is your strength, your glory, your you know, that what makes you, we're all like snowflakes, right? We're all different. Mm-hmm. What makes us special is what is different and unique about us. And yes. so instead of trying to fit in, if we can take hold of our differences and champion them and make them our, you know, greatest attributes by just, you know, letting our light shine, that's where, um, that's what God had intended for us. And that's how we can become that the greatest version of ourselves that we can be. So for me, you know, growing up in a family where they very much wanted me to fit in, obviously you didn't play tennis, you know, you're out, you're, you have to live up to these academic and social standards, et cetera. But the more I got away from that, um, the more I was able to celebrate who I really truly was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love that so much. Like I am just all about being your best. And I mean, that's what this podcast is all about is encouraging people to be the, their best selves and really own their unique gifts and, you know, share their gifts with the world. Like, I think that's yes. what we're really here for. I agree. Um, now that you have really like stepped into yourself and what's that relationship with your family? Like, so my mother passed away. Um, yeah, there, and there's a lot in the book about my father. So, yeah. um, I don't speak with my father anymore. And I, that's another whole s- story of where I really feel like people need to have permission to cut off ties with relatives that only yeah. caused, only cause them pain and harm. Definitely. And the, I didn't fully start to bloom or to heal and bloom until I ended that relationship. Mm-hmm. So I like to say, you know, a lot of the trauma we experience, if we continue to experience that it, it can never heal. It's like a scab that's constantly being ripped off. Right. Yeah. So I needed to fully step away in order to heal. And then I needed to heal to bloom. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I'm super close with my sister and that's when that's been one of the great, the great outcomes from actually writing the book. We, we revisited a lot of stories together and it was, it was a really great experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's awesome that it has brought you closer with your sister and that you guys are kind of able to 
unpack those experiences together. And I think you're so right of, I think like there are some people who are just like, it's family, I can't cut it off. And it's just like, no, but they're toxic and it's not good for you. And the people you spend your time with are so important. And I wish everybody had a supportive family, but unfortunately they don't, but you can find family elsewhere and have a better life. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to, um, you know, go ahead and talk about your book a little bit more since you mentioned it. So your book, like it just came out recently um, and it's blooming, finding gifts and the shit out of life. I like, I love that title. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about like, what, what is this book? What, what's the format about of it? Yeah. So um, I had tried many years ago to write a book and I I just, it just never gelled. It never came together. I wasn't sure really like who would care. Um, As I like to say, I I am just an ordinary girl. I am not a celebrity. I'm not um, a famous musician. I'm not a Holocaust survivor. I'm not a recovering addict. You think about the people who, who's memoirs you pick up, they tend Mm -hmm. to fall in certain categories and I don't, I'm not a business Titan. Right. But I realized when COVID hit, um, that we were all going through a universal trauma together. And it highlighted for me that all of the things that I was writing about divorce, death of a loved one, um, rejection, being shamed by your friends, things like that. These were universal truths that were the, I mean, basically my very ordinariness is what made me relatable because (laughs) the traumas I was going through are things that everyone experiences. Mm -hmm. So it it just, I woke up and wait, wait, I now, now I know how to write this book, but I also always knew that what I wrote, I wanted it to be, you know, it's, it's what you put out there is what you get back. And I wanted to put out something really positive. (laughs) And so I wanted I realized with COVID um, that my reaction to it was, okay, bring it. Like I've been through so much, like this, yeah. is, this is just something else. And I realized that, you know, emotional resilience is really a muscle. The more hardships you experience, the more you flex that muscle and build it. And so people who've already been through a lot, when another trauma comes along, it's kind of like, you know, they kind of shrug it off. Cause it's yeah. like, what, what else? Right. I've already been through these hardships. So I, I know, I know I'll get through it mm-hmm. and I, I know how to navigate it. And so I thought, okay, I can walk people through the traumas and difficulties of life, the shit that I've mm-hmm. been through and, and, and help them discover how it's actually fertilizer. Yeah. It, that's one of the reasons I use that word. Um, and it's, in the difficulties, the hardships, the trauma that we find what we need to bloom into our greatness. Yeah. And yeah. And so, um, as I was writing this book, (laughs) I thought I can, as opposed to just telling people like, Oh, you know, this happened to me, that happened to me. I hold the reader's hand and walk them through and take them on a journey of how I went through that trauma and how I got to a place where I'm healed today. And so they can actually see like the books I read, the therapy I went through, like kind of like how I got there yeah. in a very, in a very 30 second kind of format. I moved very quickly. So, <laughs> um, but for instance, you know, one of the stories that I open up with is the fact that I was raped in college mm-hmm. and, 
you know, anyone who's experienced that knows what a horrible and traumatic event it is. And I know a lot of people, including myself, I did not want that event to own me. And so I was told not to talk about it um, by a sorority sister, by my mother. And so I didn't talk about it for six years. And one of the important lessons that I learned and that everybody should take away from this is that when you have a traumatic event, you need to deal with it. Otherwise it's like the the monster under the bed. And it's so critical that, um, we face our traumas and work through them. Otherwise they do end up owning you. Right. And so it was owning me until I dealt with it. But what happened is, is as I finally did talk about it, write about it and work through it, I came to realize that the very event that was so so traumatic was actually something that I could use to later. I will actually, first, I I realized that it was something that could serve me now Mm -hmm. and that I, and that I could use to propel me through life. Yeah. And so. so I'm going to stop you there. Cause I mean, I mean, thank you for sharing that. And I just think that there's so much power in people being vulnerable and sharing their stories. And, you know, like you said earlier, you're just an ordinary person, but like, I mean, we're all ordinary and it's, right. it's so helpful to, you know, hear it from another person that like gets it and understands it. And like, it makes us feel a little, I think a little less ashamed of, you know, what, like what trauma we go through, if we know someone else has been through it and has survived it and now is, you know, able to talk about it and how they overcame it. So, I mean, I just, so far, I love like what you are sharing in this book. Yeah. I see that really helpful. And I am curious to know kind of what was that point that, um, made you kind of realize like, I, I need to talk about this and I need to deal with this. Like what, what kind of happened to trigger that? Well, when I was in law school, um, I, well, first of all, when I say that it, it owned me Yeah. when I didn't talk about it, I became promiscuous because mm-hmm. what happens, this is fairly common with, with rape victims is that you end up reliving the traumatic experience. And so for me, I never could have any kind of normal relationship. All I knew was the message that I'd received from the rapist, which is that I was only worthy of, you know, careless sex. Yeah. And, and so I kept reliving that trauma and it was in law school. I uh, was friends with a guy first, and then we became involved. So friends with benefits kind of, Mm -hmm. and started to develop feelings that, I lashed out at him. I caused some drama and felt like I owed him an explanation. So I sat down at my computer of all things. And I wrote Mm -hmm. the first story I ever wrote about my life. And that was the story of my rape. Yeah. And I, I say to people, I think this is so important when you're trying to like get some of this stuff out for me, writing is so much easier than talking about it because there's no one there to pass immediate judgment. Mm-hmm. and give you that sort of feedback. Well, maybe you should have done this. Well, did you cry out? Did you do this? Did you do that? It's like, no, I just wrote my story yeah. and it was without any of those filters. And then I gave it to him to read. And he was the first person who showed me any sort of compassion. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of made me kind of shift my view of myself. And I started to pursue self-help therapy, you know, it was a long journey to get where I am today, but, um, that was that first moment when I shifted on that topic. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that you were able to share it with him and that he actually had compassion towards you. And, 
I mean, I think that's just so crucial, but I love that you wrote it down. Like I, I'm a big journaler. I think that like, whenever there's a problem or you have any thoughts, like you should journal it. Cause like, it's just, you know, like that's how you get all your thoughts out and that's how you can process everything. And yes. Yeah. So I love that how that's how you started. Yeah. Well, one of the other things I just really want to emphasize, um, is, and I cover everything from divorce to body dysmorphia to yeah. <laughs> all kinds of things in the book. Um, but a couple overarching themes in the book. One is that I came to realize that with adversity comes opportunity. Mm. And that recognition was absolutely pivotal in my life because I suddenly realized that things that I was viewing as these horrible things that had happened to me were actually opportunities. Mm. And so for instance, when I got divorced, it's a horrific event. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but I suddenly realized that I had a blank slate. And mm-hmm. I could create whatever life that I wished. I was yeah. free from expectations or, uh, you know, the cages of society of me being expected to behave a certain way. And so it gave me freedom. Mm-hmm. So divorce actually equaled freedom and the ability to create a new life. And so by shifting my perspective to all the hardship and, and what I, you know, gone through and, and given up and to what the new opportunity was, it really helped me to heal. Yeah. And, and then the other thing I is, um, I'd like to tell people is that mindset is a muscle. Um, mm-hmm. and there's a story I love to tell, and it's in the book about how the daily choices we make determine the outcomes of our life. Yeah. And so if I can, um, share that story really quickly. Yeah, I'd love to, okay. I'd love to hear it. So, uh, it's way back. I'm dating myself. It's been forever. Um, when they first built Bellagio, we were super excited to go check out the fountains at Bellagio. Mm-hmm. And um, they had a restaurant there next to the fountains called Olives. And it had an outdoor patio and you could sit outside and be right up close to the fountains. Neat. And so we went and had dinner there and they had umbrellas over the tables. Um, but right as we finished our dinner, I stood up, my friend was still seated, but the wind caught one of the fountains just right. Oh. And <laughs> it was like a tidal wave. Oh my God. I mean, I was not just wet. I was drenched. I was completely <laughs> soaked from head to toe. Yeah. It was like, like out of a cartoon or something. I was going to say, it's like, it reminds me of like something you'd see in a movie. Like, <laughs> Yes. And so she, this moment happens and I look at my friend and she's under the umbrella. She's dry. And she's, she's looking at me with these eyes of expectation, like what's going to happen. Yeah. And I realized in that moment, I had a choice to make and our evening could be ruined. Mm -hmm. Or what I said was, has this ever happened before? Like, what are the the odds of getting hit by a fountain at the Bellagio? I'm like, I'm like, I've been blessed by the holy water. We're going to win tonight. Come on, (laughs) let's go. Ran upstairs, you know, blue dry my hair, changed clothes super fast. We had one of the best nights ever. Yeah. But my point with that story is what happened to me was neither good nor bad. It was how I viewed it that made it so. And in every day, every day we're confronted with situations where we can have it blow up our day or we can choose Mm -hmm. to view it differently. And so that overlaying philosophy, philosophy, um, has served me well through life 
when things that others would perceive to be bad, I say, where's the opportunity? Where's, um, how am I going to choose to look at this? That's going to serve me as opposed to drain me. Yeah. So, I mean, and that, that's such a cool story. Yeah. It could have either completely ruined your night. You could have been so upset and angry about it, but you just went with it and had fun. And I think yeah. there are so many times in life when like little frustrations happen and it's so easy to get like caught up in it. But if you just take a moment to like pause and think like, well, what can, how can I see this differently? And as an opportunity, like you're talking about earlier, like what else can we do or what can come from this? So that's such a great perspective. And so, yeah, like, I mean, have you always kind of had that perspective of looking at, you know, these difficult times as like opportunities? No, I mean, I have to, I mean, part of my, part of this journey for me, and I think it's so important that people understand I'm not this like, Oh, she's just super positive. Blah, blah, blah. No, <laughs> I have gone through the shit. Yeah. I have been, I talk, I talk in the book about, I'm very vulnerable about, you know, having thoughts of suicide, going through depression, um, really struggling with a lot of things, feeling like I had no support system around me. Um, I've been through a lot and it's, yeah. I think part of what we as women in particular need to do is we need to give other women permission to feel mm. what one of the most harmful things that has happened to me through life is having the friends that are the minimizers. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't so bad. Oh, you'll get over it. You'll be fine. And no, I'm, I'm in pain. Yeah. Let's, can we honor that for a minute? Can you, let's go outside and can I just go scream at the sky for a minute and just yell and yeah. feel that. And I like, I like to say, you have to reach rage to reach forgiveness. Let yourself feel, but work through it. It's a process, but own those feelings. Don't hide them. Don't put them under the bed, like feel them. And so that was part of my journey. And I had a therapist who actually was kind of like, cause I was always like, Oh, it's silver lining. Oh, she's like, Carrie, (laughs) no, no, you need to acknowledge what you've been through and feel these things. Yeah. And I was doing everything I could to not feel them and pretend everything was fine. And she's like, no. And it wasn't until I acknowledged the shit, owned my shit, that I was able to explore the darkness and find the light. And that's when you unearth, when you look at what you've been through, that's when you go, wait, I'm a survivor. I have these wonderful qualities because of what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And you can reach a place for me, reach a place of gratitude for the path that birthed this trait, which is oftentimes something really horrible. Yeah. But then people say to you, would you change your life? Would you do anything different? You know, would you get rid of that horrible experience? And I say, no, because I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't gone through that. So yeah. you reach a pace of gratitude for the shit. Yeah. Um, I really love that. I mean, because I am generally a positive person, but I am also trying to lean more into like how I'm really feeling and, and give people the space of like, like, what do you actually need right now? Rather than right. like jumping into like a problem solving or being like, yeah. it's okay. It'll get better. Like, no, but it is important to actually be able to sit with those feelings and acknowledge them, but then actually kind of like dig deeper of like, you know, getting through it and seeing the light at, you know, at the end of the tunnel and 
you know, just, I, I think that's just like so good that you bring that up. And I, I heard um, a term that I haven't really heard a lot about, but um, just like toxic positivity of just like mm-hmm. being too positive where like, yeah, we need to actually acknowledge that things aren't always sunshine and rainbows and that's okay. Like it's okay to yeah. have dark times, but we'll, yeah, we will get through them, but we need to sit with it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so like with your book, like who, who is your, who is the book for? Like who, who do you want to read your book? Well, I, I really had some specific people in mind when I wrote it. And that was just because of what I do for a living. I do executive search and this all happened. I started writing it during COVID. I had some executives I had been working with who got laid off and I, I kind of wanted to like give them a gift of showing like how I got to where I am and was able to work through hardships. Yeah. But I realized as I was writing it, that this is really a gift to so many people. And it's really just about, you know, giving people permission to feel it's about showing people how these daily split second choices change the, the, um, outlook and output of your life Mm -hmm. and about, you know, about the importance of mindset. And, um, so kind of giving people a toolbox to deal with these different situations. I mean, obviously I'm not the, you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not the be all end all, but I do believe that people learn through stories. And I knew for sure that I wasn't going to write a book that said, this is what you need to do. And this, you know, instead I was like, let me just be really vulnerable and open. And hopefully people can take something away and, that they can use in their lives. And if not, hopefully they just enjoy the story. Yeah. And so what are some of the things that like are in your toolbox that, you know, continue to help you like make these choices to see things differently? Well, I think starting with just an overarching approach to life at this point, where I like to say life is like a roller coaster and you not like it is life, is a roller coaster. <laughs> but you, but you have a choice to make. You can either throw your hands up and like, enjoy the ride which you see people do, right. Or you can scream in terror the entire time (laughs) and have a miserable experience. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be a roller coaster, but how are you going to handle it? Mm -hmm. And so I, at this point in life, choose to view life through a lens of humor, (laughs) empathy, adventure, um, you know, just a more, and I guess a positive mindset, but it's about how you approach life in general. And that's the lens I try to view life through. And so whenever something bad goes wrong, I try to find like the adventure or the humor or, 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 or something good out of it. So, yeah. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about your background. Um, you know, like you went to law school, and now, you know, you have a business. Will you just tell us a little bit more about like your business? And I'm kind of curious about how it relates to like how your um, entrepreneurial journey has been impacted by like your life changes with the things right? you learned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so yeah, I started out practicing law. I practiced law for seven years and my entrepreneurial journey began much sooner than I ever thought it would. I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur. I was sort of an entrepreneur by default in that I was working at a law firm where I was being sexually harassed. And that's, it was a situation where there really wasn't anything I could do about it other than leave. Mm. And so I reached out to a client 
and said, um, can I use you for reference? And the client said, well, you can, but wherever you go, we're going with you. And we've got all this more work to send you. Yeah. And so suddenly I was like, I have portable business, which in the legal world, that's like, you know, you can be a partner now, like you've got portable business. Yeah. And so I talked to the other associates at the firm and said, what do I do? And they're like, we're leaving. We're all going with you. (laughs) (laughs) And So we left and started our own firm. Oh, wow. So yes, as a second year lawyer, which is just crazy. Um, (laughs) anyway, so we did that. And then actually I ended up getting headhunted out of my own firm, which is how I was exposed to headhunting first of all, and had that experience and decided, and I ended up starting my own executive search firm. Um, the focus is primarily on lawyers, but, um, yeah, that's so cool. And I mean, that just kind of goes again of like the things that may go wrong, like having to deal with being sexually harassed at your old firm has just kind of put you on this different path that, you know, it sounds like you weren't really planning for. So no, not at all. And and, and not at all. But the thing is once, once an entrepreneur, at least for me anyway, there was no looking back. Once I understood that you're in, in control of your own destiny and, and learned that I was scrappy and that I could make it, um, you know, it, it actually brought to bear all these great gifts that I didn't even know I had, you know, creativity, innovation, perseverance, persistence. Um, I mean, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Being an entrepreneur is like definitely a journey. Did you ever have any doubts or anything when you like went off on your own or? No, I think each major step in my life has been a step of conviction. I mean, I left, I left that firm because I knew that I was not going to be sexually harassed. And the only way to leave was to vote with my feet. Yeah. Um, God intervened and said, you're not going to another firm. (laughs) You're going to be an entrepreneur. Um, And then when I stopped practicing law and opened the office for a national search firm initially, um, Again, I stepped out in complete conviction. I did my research. I, I actually created my own opportunity. I got on the phone. I started calling national headhunting firms all around the country and saying, you need an Austin office and here's why. And they said, you know, you closed me in the first five minutes of the call. We have to hire you. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also learned very quickly in that experience that they really weren't, they were taking half my money, but they weren't really giving me anything in return. And, but I was also hugely successful. So I was like, okay, well, here we go again. (laughs) Stepped out with conviction that I know I'm successful. I know I can do this. And so here we go. And that's same thing with writing the book. People are like, well, you know, how did you decide? I'm like, I felt compelled. There was no, there was no deciding about it. I felt compelled. I felt like I was supposed to write this book. And so I never wavered on writing it. Yeah. I mean, and i I'm so glad you did write the book, like just from what you've said so far, like it really does. I mean, you've gone through a lot of things and for you to share your story and, you know, your journey of, you know, how you've gotten to this place, I think is just really like powerful and impactful. So yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it's funny because again, with my humor, I've been through so much. I like to joke, there's something for everybody in the book. (laughs) (laughs) 
right? <laughs> I mean, I cover, so, I mean, sexual harassment, rape, divorce, death, you know, losing a friend to cancer, body dysmorphia. I mean, it's, you know, adversity, rejection. Um, so yeah, basically I don't see how anybody could really walk away unless they're not human <laughs> right? <laughs> without, without uncovering some, some common experience in the book, but right. Exactly. And do you have any plans to write another book at all or you know, I have a couple ideas for books, but I'm not sure which direction I'm going to go yet. But yeah, you know what? I, one of the things I've learned is I have a voice. Yeah. Um, people have really acknowledged, like I have a voice, I have something important to say mm-hmm. and, um, I really love writing. So yeah, that's awesome. And yes, you do have a voice and you do, I mean, you do have something to say and to share. And I, you know, I was going to ask like, how has being yourself like led to your success? But I mean, I feel like we've kind of talked about it throughout, but I mean, is there anything that you like kind of want to add to that thought? Um, no, I guess maybe we can close with a quote from RuPaul. Okay. Um, I I take quotes from everybody from Brene Brown to RuPaul. Yeah. I love Uh, it. (laughs) And he says famously or said famously, um, we were not born to fit in. We were born to stand out. Hmm. That's a really good quote. I yeah. Love it. And so where can people um, find your book and buy it? So it's blooming, finding gifts in the shit of life. And it is available on Amazon. Um, it's also available as an audiobook. So if you oh, want to listen okay. to it, yeah. And you can find out more information about me. Um, Carrington-Smith.com is my author website. Awesome. And for the audiobook, is it you? Um, it is awesome. I always love when it's actually the author. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And, um, where can people find you on social media? On social media, everything is at Carrington ATX. Awesome. I'm definitely going to like put all this on the show notes too, so that people can be sure to get this book. I'm excited to read it and like, just learn more about your story and all the things you through. And yeah, I mean, you're I really do think that just like sharing our stories is so impactful. So thank you. And is there any like final message you want to leave with people? I just maybe, you know, as people, you know, step away from listening to this, think about the daily choices that you make uh, and how you can make a shift in those and see how it transforms your life. Yeah. Awesome. I, yeah. And it comes down to the small choices. So that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. This is an amazing podcast. So thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to the BU podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and write me a review. I would love to hear from you. And you can find me on Instagram at beautifulchick or on my website, beautifulchick.com. Remember, be you, be beautiful.